What's up, Disciple Makers? This is the Disciple Makers Podcast brought to you by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm excited to set up this episode today because the lady giving the message is my discipleship minister and women's minister at my church, Michelle Eagle. This is a fantastic lady. She discipled my wife, and she's just an awesome person to work with, and she is truly living these things out that she's sharing with us today. This is the Women of Renew.org episode, but you're going to get a lot out of this, whether you're male or female. What she's talking about today is, are we really serious about discipling women into maturity within our church? Do we want to get out of the, we've always done it this way mentality and truly focus on disciple making? Michelle gives really good tips on how to focus your ministry on creating a culture of disciple making while maintaining a strong biblical foundation. Let's listen into Michelle and let her encourage us today. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. Come on in. Welcome. Come on in. Ooh, the bus just dropped off. Come on in. Come on in. So y'all got handouts. They are about as simplest handout you can ever possibly have, um, but as are the slides. So um, as Bobby said this morning, everybody speaking are clinicians, so we're not... Um, we don't speak a lot. We teach some at churches. You know, obviously we speak at church sometimes but um, and teach, but for the most part, we're disciple makers. And so this is, um, that's why this is low tech, because if I spend a lot of time doing this, I can't make more disciples. So I'm choosing uh, disciples over cool slides. But let me pray for our time together, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God, Lord. Lord, and as I was praying uh, during the worship time this morning, you just reminded me to show these ladies my heart, my heart for you, my heart for, for women, drawing them closer to you, and that that's really what um, we need to take home today. So, Lord, um, I thank you for these women being here. I thank you for our time together. I thank you for this beautiful facility that has made it easy to meet together. And, um, God, I just appreciate the fact that I get to do what I get to do, and, uh, and it's all for your glory. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So my name is Michelle Eagle. I um, am from Harpeth Christian Church. That's the church that founded D.org out of. Um, Bobby Harrington is our lead pastor. He's the one on the stage that likes to sit in the chair and interview everybody, uh, hand out awards, things like that. Um, he, When we came to Harpeth probably 16, 17 years ago, we were really just first getting involved well, my husband was really first getting involved in the church. And it was funny. Bobby is a Bible teacher. He is a Bible teacher who then realized that, wait a minute, our great commission is to make disciples. So he shifted our church from an educational model to a disciple-making model. Well, I came on staff around that same time um, that the shift was happening. And it's a shift that's like turning a cruise ship. Okay? It is not a powerboat move. And you lose people. Um, you people that that are not into disciple making, they have decided that they just want education. And um, we still have a few people around that uh, might still fall into that model, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, it was a very conscious decision to go to disciple making. And it's not that he doesn't teach Bible because he teaches a lot of Bible and he's very good at it. But the focus is disciple making, um, and that, and we'll get into to more of that too. But it's um, it you have to sacrifice other things for that. 
Um, and so I appreciate you all, though, also sacrificing your time to be here. I know that things are happening at your homes that you have no idea what's going on there right now. My 87-year-old father lives with us, and so my husband is in charge of making sure he has food. <laughs> so they're eating a lot of frozen um, dinners. Uh, they really like pot pies, and uh, as long as they're Marie Callender's. I was told literally before I left, I was going to the grocery store, and I'm like, okay, Dad, what do you want me to get for you for the nights that you, know, you guys aren't going to go out? He's like, well, pot pies. Pot pies are great. I'm like, okay. He's like, but don't bother getting that other crap. Just get Marie Callender. <laughs> all right. I had no idea that all the other ones were bad, but apparently Marie Callender is the way to go. So, uh, so yeah. So, and there's only like three different versions of it. So he's been eating pot pies all week. So he called me last night and, uh, and I asked if he was tired of pot pies. Oh no, you can never get tired of pot pies. Mm -mm. But I do pray that the things that are going on at home um, or in your churches or in your jobs, if you have a, have a secular job, that are still happening and that things aren't falling off the plate and you don't feel like when you get back tomorrow that you're all of a sudden, oh, it's overwhelming. Because I know all those things are probably circulating in the back of your mind right now of the things that either aren't happening or you're wondering if they're happening or a kid's eating or is the dog getting a walk, uh, whatever those things are, or is anything actually happening at work? Um, because we got a picture from like probably, I don't know, 60% of our staff is here, um, came up for the, for the conference. And so the, our bookkeeper, as well as our like admin person is still in the office and they sent us a picture. They had brought in like a, a margarita machine and they had, they were like both sitting up on, with their feet up on the desk, like pretending to drink margaritas. So, um, yeah, that's happening at our church right now. Yeah. yeah, It was sweet. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah. Bobby's like, wait, they're not really like, uh, uh, Bobby, it's a joke. It's a joke. They're not drinking margaritas <laughs> at the office. At least I don't think they are, but anyway, it's all right. It's all good. But um, I'm a disciple maker. That is what I love to do. That's what I wake up in the morning thinking about. Um, it wasn't always that way. Um, before I was in medicine, before I got into ministry, um, I was a physician assistant that worked in, in uh, pediatric HIV, and so much of it was about the social side of it. Um, you know, they couldn't get their medicine because they didn't have a bus pass to be able to get to the, the you know, Walgreens or wherever they needed to pick up their medicine. And what I realized in doing that was just the holisticness, really, of, of the care that our patients needed. Um, and it's been just beautiful how that is actually translated over into ministry. I am not qualified to do the job I do. I have no qualifications to do the job that I do. Um, God is the only one that has equipped me to do it. Um, when they hired me, I was first hired for 10 hours a week because I was volunteering a lot in the home groups ministry. So they said, hey, we're a little like, we feel bad asking you to volunteer more. So could you, maybe you should just come on staff for 10 hours a week. I'm like, all right. So come on staff for 10 hours a week. I have no idea what it means to be on a church staff. And I'm doing admin stuff, which I'm terrible at. Terrible at it. And the person I was working for, he was a home groups minister, and he was super, super into details and super, super into, like, overmanaging people. Maybe micromanaging might be the right word. And so he wanted this, I remember one of the first things, he wanted this big map, which seems like a good idea, of all of where our home groups were right, or in the county or whatever, to make sure that, like, our population matched where our home groups were. So we didn't have a whole bunch of home groups in the north side of town, but all of our people lived in the south side of town. That all seems like that makes sense. But he had to have very specific color push pins to put in the map, right? Well, when you buy push pins, because the only ones he wanted were from Target, 
they only come with a certain number of colors, right? So you could only get four of the color that you needed in each box of pushpins. Well, they only keep like three boxes at each target. So I remember spending all afternoon going to all the targets getting, and I remember sitting in the car <laughs> and going, Lord, this is not what I expected when I got into ministry, right? I was like, I don't think I should be doing this. This feels like a waste of time. Um, and he was real quick to humble me um, and let me know that I needed to do what I was called to do. And this was my supervisor, and he was asking me to do something, and this was going to help him do ministry. And so I needed to suck it up, and I needed to go find more pushpins. And it was a, it was a beautiful dose of humility that I needed. Um, and I needed to do that role for a couple of years before I could really understand like the bigger picture of ministry and how it started to look. So, so because I didn't come from this ministerial background, I don't have a pastor dad. I don't have, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't come from any of that. I don't have a Bible degree. Um, that was just a different lens that I could actually use to see the people that, that God was going to put across my path. And that because I understood the ministry from the back side of it, from the pushpin side of it, um, I could also go, okay, these are the things that are important. This probably isn't important for, for, for me in my ministry. Um, and so then I started doing 20 hours a week, and then we lost our home groups minister. And Bobby's like, hey, I'm going to take over the home groups ministry, but I need a, a big strong, a strong second. And you know everybody, so could, could you like come on to 30 hours and then maybe 40 hours? And so then we decided to have a women's ministry position. And so I'm like, okay, well, sure. I mean, I'm a woman, so I could do that. Never been to a women's conference in my life. Had never had been to maybe one or two women's Bible studies. Was not seeing it from the lens of traditional women's ministry, which actually has probably really worked to my advantage um, because I don't come with all of the, this is the way we have to do it. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today too. Um, but one of the big things also is that we have to be plugged into the power source. Um, if you are running on empty, get help. Get help so you're not. Um, we can talk about it offline about how, how to not run on empty, but I know I've done it. I have tried to do it from this. I like the picture of, of you know, your heart is here and you've got a plug at the bottom. If ministry has pulled out that plug completely and it is just coming in, going out as fast as it's coming in, we need to do something to stop up that plug because you need to be doing ministry from an overflow position. And that's a very different place to be able to do ministry from that overflow instead of doing it from an empty place. Um, we're not going to sit in that a lot today, but, um, but I'd love to talk to you more about it later. My contact information's here. Um, text me, call me, email me, whatever. I love to talk about this stuff. So I will do it all day long. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about too is is this idea, if, if you've heard me speak before, I, I usually use this analogy. It's called the edge of chaos. So we have this place of control. This is where everybody has their to-do list. It is getting to done. You know what you're going to do today. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. You've got an event coming up. Everything is assigned. You've got it all. I can see actually some of you are like, oh my gosh, if I actually had that to-do list and I knew it was going to get done, I would be in such a calm, centered place, right? Well, then you've got complete chaos, Okay, this is where you have no idea if your shirt is out inside out or not, you know. This is, we went over to somebody's house, and there was a group of us having lunch over there. And she was expecting all of us. I mean, we all brought stuff. Like, this was a planned event. And we get over there, and she's got three kids. And, and 
we walk in and there's like, there's so much chaos in the house. Like we can't even set our food down anywhere because there's literally not an inch of counter space. And the couches have, have clothes that need to be folded like all over all of the couches, right? And what I realized in that moment, not, not in a judgy way at all, it was a, this is why she's so controlling everywhere else because this is such chaos, right? Um, and so, so it gave me actually a little insight into her and I thought, oh, well now let's, let's work on, you know, let, let's, let me talk to her as, as now I can see the lens that she's kind of seeing things through. But, but that's, that's chaos, right? And most of us, we kind of go, oh, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Well, I think there's a sweet spot right here that's kind of the edge of chaos where the Holy Spirit likes to move the most. He, if you've got this to-do list and you are so set on getting that to-do list done, the Holy Spirit's probably, number one, not there making the to-do list. He probably hasn't prioritized it, and he probably hasn't given you, like, the schedule of when all those things begin. That's probably come from you. Uh, I get it. I've, I am all about efficiency. I love it. I love a good errand list where you've done them in the order that gets you, you know, the right mileage and gets you in the right order and all that, and you've got your groceries at the end so that the cold stuff stays cold. But what happens in that is that we can't allow the Holy Spirit to actually guide us, to actually move us, to actually give us the, the prompting of, hey, so you better make that phone call. And you're like, yeah, but I've got laundry coming out. Or, but I've got that appointment here. He's like, yeah, you can do it. You've got time. You've got time before the appointment. Um, and so there's this sweet spot at the edge of chaos that is really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because your to-do list may get pushed back. Um, but one of the things I remember, I was, uh, I had my to-do list, like, and I was, I was excited about it because one of those where you're like, I'm going to get like so much done today. I have it all efficient. So I'm going around town. I'm even avoiding traffic. I've got it figured out so that I'm going to avoid traffic too. I'm going to get all these things done. And then you get that text or that call. Hey, I'm in crisis. And you're like, <sighs> and you look at the text and you almost don't want to read it because you probably know the person and where they're coming from, you're like, and you have that decision to make, right? Do I respond to the text or do I continue with my to-do list? And every part of me wanted to continue with my to-do list, but the Holy Spirit's like, you need to lean into her, not your to-do list. I'm like, okay, okay. And, and I remember, you know, putting my to-do list away and going and, and meeting with her and, and loving her well but I remember the end of that night, I laid down and I was like, oh, I did not get my to-do list done today. How am I going to fit this into the rest of the week? And I'm literally strategizing how I'm going to now figure out to do the rest of it, right? And the Lord was very clear when he said, you did mine today. Did I love God and love others? Yes. He's like, that's my to-do list for you every day. And if you get your to-do list done in the midst of that, fantastic. But I don't really care if your laundry gets done that well. Yes, you need to love your family by having clean laundry, but I'm not that worried about it. I'm not even worried about if you, you know, prepare a fresh meal for your family or you pick it up on the way home because you didn't have time to prepare that meal. Just feed them. Love, love God and love others. And so that really changed my perspective. When I go to sleep now, it's like, okay, I laid down. Did I love God? Did I love others? Now, I don't always. <laughs> Sometimes I have a big fail on that. But, um, but that's the idea of keeping that focus um, and, and getting a little away from our to-dos and our controlling nature. Um, so you guys are at this conference. You know this scripture. You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe it. 
If you didn't believe it was a command, you wouldn't be interested in disciple making. Uh, and so I'm not going to sit in this scripture because you all have bought it. Um, you have bought what I am here to sell um, as far as this goes. But have we thought about the ramifications of actually doing what this scripture says? Have we thought about what it means to actually be in each other's lives, to have the bandwidth to be in each other's lives, and what that possibly looks like? Because that's different. I also want to sit uh, for a second, though, in Colossians. Because this is talking about presenting everyone fully mature in Christ. And so this is Paul. He's talking to the church. He's talking about the sacrifices he's made to the church. But I think a lot of times when we're talking about disciple making, we skip this part. We're just like, we want them to come to Christ. And that's great. And Jim talked about that today. We're made to, we're told to make disciples, which means that people know how to trust and follow Jesus. Well, just getting baptized is the first part of that. And then there's a whole lifetime of actually learning how to trust and follow Jesus. And it is a lifetime process, as all of you know. But we have to do it also through the power of the Spirit. So how do we do it? Well, this might be what a lot, I know, really high-tech slide, right? (laughs) I have little boxes, you know, I was able to turn them. I feel pretty good about that. But this is what your ministries look like right? We've got Bible studies. We've got the the big women's conferences, um, worship nights, luncheons, retreats. Um, And a lot of those are great shots in the arm. There's nothing wrong with them. A lot of them increase your Bible knowledge. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. We're talking about that here today, but making sure we're in the Word. But are people known? Are you known? And are are the women within your church actually known to each other? Um, And that's not usually going to happen at most of these kinds of events. Um, How safe are we to share the details of our lives? Um, Do we know each other well enough that we can know the safe people and the not-so-safe people? But also, are we willing to be transparent? Are we willing to be vulnerable? Um, You know, at retreats and conferences, and even coming from here, everybody's like, yes, we leave here, and we're all like, I am ready to go. I've got a plan. I've got so excited about it. Um, Great worship, great speakers, all of that. And then you get home, and the same people are there, and they haven't gotten this, right? And so they're like, so we're going to plan the fall luncheon. And you're like, right, I am thinking this year instead. And they're like, no, but, but we always have a fall luncheon. And you're like, yeah, I know, but I went to this conference, and I've really been praying it through, and I really feel like we should, we should lean towards disciple-making. They're like, but I already know what I'm going to make for the fall luncheon. Like, this is what we always do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a fall luncheon. Um, but I am saying that, that it, it, we do need to figure out how we put disciple-making in there. Because we have to say yes to some things. Um, but we also are gonna, might have to say no to some things. And when we first um, really were turning the ship, we canceled all sorts of stuff. People were not happy. Um, we had a women's committee. And, you know, sometimes they just kind of start falling away. Well, they started falling away. Well, I don't replace anybody. I just let it die its death. I didn't have to go to anybody and tell them, we are dismantling the women's committee. It just died a slow death, and I let it crawl off into the corner. Um, and honestly, nobody really knew that there wasn't a committee because everybody thought somebody else was on the committee. Um, and so... But it was interesting because they, um, it was, it, they didn't miss that part. Um, the, the, 
and I was able to make the decisions that could actually turn the ship without having to explain myself every single step of the way. Um, when we decide to do disciple making, we need places that are safe, um, places that, that people can confess what's really going on in their lives, um, that they can be transparent. I have, a, I have a group, and I'll explain the groups in a little bit, but, um, and there's a woman there that, um, she's in a tough marriage. It's tough. There's no two ways about it. It's a tough marriage. But nobody had ever challenged her on how to become more mature to be able to deal with this tough marriage. And yes, we're, we're working on the husband on the side, but nobody had ever been in enough of a relationship with her to go, tell me your side of that argument. Well, my side, I, did, I just responded to him. Okay, tell me how you responded. So tell me, when Jesus was, insults were hurled at him, how did he respond? And we look up the scripture. She's like, he didn't. Yeah, that's what we're called to. And nobody had actually challenged her. Everybody had just said, oh my gosh, he's such a jerk. You are right. You, yeah, I totally would have done the exact same thing. Everybody had told her that instead of trying to challenge her to become more like Christ. Um, and she was ready for it. She was ready to hear that um, because we had enough relationship to be able to challenge. Um, and that was a beautiful thing. And she is, she is growing in, in great, amazing ways because we want to redirect him to Christ best. If you've been to a D.org conference before, you may have seen they really like this, um, Bobby's little funnel. Uh, but I wanted to kind of apply it to women's stuff, and it's on your handout too. Um, but the public event is Jesus in the crowds. He did those. Yep, they're not bad. Uh, that would be big worship nights, conferences. Uh, maybe sometimes you go to other churches to do it. And then the social, Jesus in the 70. This was the weddings he went to. These are some of the, the synagogue teachings, things like that. Um, retreats and luncheons. The things that, that from here up, those conferences, the, the public and the social spaces, those are like this, where I'm speaking um, and you're receiving. Uh, there's not a lot of interaction going this way, all right? And that's intentional. That's how that's set up. Uh, and so, and we'll talk further about how to kind of uh, bring disciple making into those. But then you've got discipleship groups, Jesus and the Twelve. A lot of us have home groups or life groups that would probably fit into that. Usually they're, um, they have men and women in them together. Um, but we're going to sit mostly in this, 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 this intentional discipleship, disciple-making relationships. Um, I think I spelled that wrong, didn't I? I did. Um, but in the disciple discipleship groups, this personal space first, um, there is a level of transparency there. Um, but a lot of people aren't going to be comfortable if there's men and women in the group together. Um, a lot of, especially guys, to be honest, <laughs> they're not going to share the way that they need to. Um, and most women won't either. Then there's, but, um, but there's place for it. And it's a great place to have dialogue about Bibles. Um, and a lot of your, your, some of your Bible studies are going to be in that. Some of your Bible studies are even in your social. If you have some big Bible studies, they're going to be in your social, social spot. Um, it's good teaching. It's a great place to teach. It's a great place to exchange ideas. Um, but then we get into this intentional disciple-making disciple relationships, and those would be more like transparency groups. We call them uh, T-groups for transformation groups, um, but that's Jesus and the three. They knew him. He knew them, and there's more characteristics about that that are really important. Um, like Jesus led them. 
This wasn't a democracy in their group, okay? They knew and they chose to submit to Jesus as the leader of the group. And that's important in these groups. Um, it really is. But one of the things that we want to think about is how are we getting people from the top of the funnel down? Because really the goal is to increase their relationship with, with the divine, right? I mean, that's where the, the, the magic happens. And so we need to use these things to our advantage. So, you know, if you've got a, a conference, a big conference or a worship night, we bring people up and we have them talk about what their discipleship relationships look like. We bring up the pair. We've even brought up all three where they've had like this person's discipled this person, this person's discipled this person. Now this person is the grandparent of this person when it comes to disciple making. It's beautiful. And they talk about how their lives have changed. And what it does is it casts that vision onto a big group. And that's a great thing. You're not going to get a better place to do that. And so that's a great thing to use for those nights. It's a great shot in the arm. It is a great place to do kickoffs. Um, we have groups that, let's say, go to a conference together. So it's a small group, and they all stay together, and they all have fun together, and then they go to the conference, and they debrief it together. And we even had, we had a, I guess we, we would put it probably in the retreat size, because I don't know, I think it was 60 to 80 women. And some of the smaller groups... They all spent the night together the night before. They had a big slumber party, and then they would come to the retreat the next day. And they used it as a time to actually stay, be bonded together. And so we encourage people, if they're going to some of these higher ones, do it with the people that you're in relationship with. Um, use that as a time, a touch point to build those relationships. And that's a great thing to do. Because to be quite honest, it's a lot easier to put on a, an event than it is to cycle somebody. I would rather put on a retreat any day. Um, as far as like time put in, um, effort put in, because you can get that checklist done um, for, for an event. You can get the invitations out. You can get the food ordered. You can do all that. And then it's over, right? You know, day comes and at the end of the day, you're exhausted. But you're like, yes, did it. Um, disciple making doesn't work that way. They never lose my phone number. <laughs> they just keep calling. No. But, but that's where it's life on life, and it's not predictable. It's that edge of chaos where things happen when things happen. And so we also have to change our mindset of going, okay, this isn't all going to be like cut and dry anymore. This is going to be real, a little loosey-goosey. So who are the leaders you're looking for? Um, a lot of people will say, you know what, I got to have to have the most mature leaders to be able to do this. Um, well, they are not that easy to find. Sometimes, especially you need, if you want emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, and you're looking out and you're like, all right, I've got one and I'm not even sure I'm one, you know? Um, and so, but I, I want you to start thinking outside the box because I'm not looking for the most organized person. I'm not looking. The same person that can teach a, an amazing Bible study is probably not going to be an amazing disciple maker because um, they're just going to want to teach. They're going to want to teach, teach, teach um, instead of actually bringing the person in, letting the person learn a lot of these things themselves and encouraging them versus, versus just here's the information. Now you should do it right, you know. Um, do you need to be extroverted? Do you need to be introverted? Do you need to be empathetic? Yes. All the above, yes. But what you're really looking for is you're looking for fruit. Like I have before gone, you know what? I can net a 20-something. She's never going to be able to disciple somebody yet. Like she's just not doesn't have enough life experience in her yet. That's not true. It's just not true. I've seen the 65-year-old going. She's got. She's been a. She's been a believer for 60 years. You know, she's been in the church forever. 
Um, and she's not ready to disciple anybody, though, you know? And the struggle with it is, is that you have to get to know them. And that takes time. And so what I start doing is I start looking for fruit. So I might be looking at that person that's, that volunteers a lot in children's ministry, let's say. So I'm like, hmm, they seem to be pretty active. Let me go get to know them a little bit more. Well, then I go to lunch with them, and all they do is complain about children's ministry, okay? <laughs> and how it could be done differently. And I'm like, hmm. Or complain about their children and how off the rails they are, their adult children. I'm like, hmm. Right, let me think more about that. Not that your children have to be walking perfectly, but it's more the idea of what do you bring to the table? How are you talking about these people and these things? You know, you're looking for people that that you notice them in the corner and they're praying with somebody. Hmm. Okay, I'm taking a note of that. Um, they're the ones that that they go into the women's restroom at an event and there's no toilet paper and they come and go, hey, can I get the key to the closet? Let me go get the toilet paper. I'm looking at my shepherd doodle right here because she does that for me all the time. And she's a great disciple maker. And so we call our shepherd doodles because they help and they comfort me. Um, but but they, they're the ones that people are listening to and they don't even realize that people are listening to them because they're not standing up here with a microphone. You know, you overhear conversations where they're pointing people to scripture or you know they're in a hard marriage and you don't hear them disparaging their husband. You hear them trying to encourage them. Those are the things that you're looking for. You are not looking for the obvious leader. Um, but people are attracted to them because of the fruit of the Spirit that they are actually actually displaying. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, there was a woman uh, named Cheryl that um, she's at our church. She's about 10 years older than I am. And so her kids are kind of in the next season up for me. And so about, gosh, I, it was when I first really got on, on staff, like almost full-time, probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago. She calls me up and she's like, hey, can we have coffee? I'm thinking, oh, man, she used to be in ministry. She was like in full-time ministry for 15 years in a disciple-making ministry. And I was like, oh, she's about to call me to tell me what I'm not doing right. <sighs> Fantastic. Okay, do it. This is part of your job to get feedback, so go. So I go have coffee with her, and obviously with the wrong attitude. Um, and she says, hey, so I need to be discipled. I'm like, oh, okay. So you want me to you know, meet, match you up with somebody? She's like, no, 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 from you. And I'm like, and I literally look over my shoulder because she knows the Bible inside and out. She, she had taught it for years and years and years, um, is a great speaker. I mean, fantastic. And I just literally looked at her and go, what do I have to offer you? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what I have to offer you. You were in full-time ministry as a disciple-making like movement ministry. And she said, you have a piece that I don't have and I don't understand where it comes from. So I need you to disciple me because that's what I need. And when I prayed about being discipled because I feel like I'm going bonkers in my head all the time and my relationships are not good in my life, he said, look for a person of peace. And so then I prayed more about who's a person of peace and then you came up and I'm like, okay, all right, sure, great. So we started meeting regularly. I had no idea what... Um, at first, what I was going to do with her, I'm like, okay, well, let's just look at scriptures about peace, you know. And so, so she calls me up maybe two weeks into this, tells me about a terrible argument she's had with her 22-year-old son. Now, he was off the rails, granted. Like, he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. Um, well, she let him have it. She let him know everything that he was doing wrong, right? 
zero mercy, zero grace. And so she called me because she's like, my spirit is just upset after that conversation. I was like, well, it should be. Um, and she's like, well, he's wrong. I'm like, okay. I said, I'm not worried about him. Nobody asked me to disciple him. I'm like, what did you do in the conversation? She's like, well, I yelled at him. I'm like, okay, well, you need to go apologize. He's like, no, but he's wrong. I'm like, okay. Again, I'm not worried about what he did. Yeah, he was wrong. I'm like, but you're wrong too. I said, you need to apologize to him. And he may not accept it, but you need to clean up your side of the street here because right now it's really messy and you are not God-like. <laughs> you are not showing Christ to him. And that is your job is to show Christ to him. And so, so she did because she said, I am submitting to your authority. I've asked you to disciple me, so I will do what you tell me to do. And so she did it. I was so proud of her. And she called me back and said that she did it. And I was like, I am crazy proud of you. I'm so excited that you were trying to be Christ-like to your son and that you have given him grace and you've given him mercy. And that's a beautiful thing because he does know truth and he knows what he's doing is wrong. You don't need to, have to shove truth down his throat. But what she said was the turning point was I never got mad at her. I just told her matter-of-factly that she wasn't right in what she was doing, that, that the biblical truth is here. And I never shamed her, and I showed her complete grace. She's like, you're not yelling at me. You're not mad at me. You're not saying I'm wrong. I'm like, well, well I said you didn't do it right. <laughs> you know. But she didn't feel condemned. She didn't feel shame. She felt grace. And that's what she was missing in her peace. She didn't have peace because she had grace. She didn't understand what grace was. And so as disciple makers and the people that you're looking for, you're looking for people that actually can show it to other people, that can show the fruit of the Spirit to other people because that's what they need to see. They actually need to tangibly see it, not just hear about it from the stage, but actually tangibly see it in your life um, as you give it to them. And so that's, that's what you're really looking for here. So these are the people that um, at VBS, when things are going crazy, they're actually trying to find some solutions and not just yelling at the, the person that's leading VBS, um, telling them how bad registration is, right? They're the ones trying to calm everybody, handing out the waters when it's hot. Um, they're the ones, like I said, finding, to finding toilet paper to, to fill up the bathroom. They're the ones see that notice somebody that is sitting by themselves in the corner and they actually go to them. Um, start looking for those things. And when you get to your churches, whether it's Sunday morning or it's a women's event or whatever, ask God to show you those people. He will. He will all of a sudden, you're like, I never noticed that she always sits with that single woman that comes. Huh. All right, check. Kind of put it in the, in the back of your head. Um, you know what? If I ask her to call that visitor, I bet she'll do it. And start giving different people little tasks and see how they do. See how they do in the disciple-making type of tasks. Like, hey, we had a visitor, and I think that, you know, I, it would be great if you could reach out. And if they are like, oh, no, I'm not really comfortable doing with that at all. Can I do something else? Like, could you, could you try this one? I mean, have you, have you tried it? You know, and if they're pushing back too far, obviously, then you're like, yeah, no, that's all right. We'll move on. Um, but ask them. Test the system a little. You know, have lunch with people, get with people, um, but it does take time. And that's, um, that's the hard part. We had, um, you know, one of the things that I always assumed was that young moms didn't have any time. They just don't have any, they're not going to be able to do that in this season of life. Well, you know, I have a lot of young moms that are like, they'll make time for disciple making. I'm like, oh, 
Okay. Or that the retired women had all the time in the world. Well, guess what? They don't. Okay. <laughs> a lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them, they, maybe they're taking care of grandkids, maybe they're doing other volunteer work, whatever. Um, but my point is, don't count anybody out uh, because of either your personal experience or because of what you just assume about their lives. Because if it's important to them, they will figure it out. They will make time um, in their lives for it. Also, you'll make a mistake. <laughs> you will choose people that will not be the right people. I had a group this just two years ago that started, um, and there was somebody in the group that I was like, you know what, I think she's a, she's a future leader. She's done some leadership stuff. I think she's a future leader. And so I talked to her. I'm like, I want to pour into you while we're in this group together and just work on leadership skills, and then you can lead your own group after that. She's like, great. I said, okay, so in the group, I'm going to give you places to play. So... This is a safe place. I will keep the, the playground safe, but I'm going to give you a place to play. And she's like, great. I'm like, okay, but I'm also going to give you feedback afterwards. And so we're going to keep talking, you know, and we're going to, we're going to keep on moving this ball forward when it comes to leadership. And so we did that. Um, and I thought it was going well. Um, apparently, a year later, it was not going well um, as she wanted to have coffee with me and get out of the group because I didn't understand her. And so... It was one of those times where I was like, okay, did I do something wrong? Like, did I, did I not, um, did I place my too many eggs in that basket? Um, did I choose the wrong person? Did I, and I was going through my checklist of the things that I, that I, that I may have done wrong. And God's like, no, it just didn't work. Like, it's okay. It's okay that you take a chance on somebody and then it just doesn't work out. That isn't the right season for them. God wants to move them in a different direction. Um, emotionally, she wasn't ready to hear feedback. And so, and because of that, she took it really personally. Um, and we weren't on the same page and then didn't tell me that until a year later when she'd had it up to here and, you know, I got all of it. And so you have to kind of, you know, put some of your feelings in the back pocket. And, uh, and I've prayed many times to go, God, my heart is bruised. Um, I am hurt by these accusations or I'm hurt by what they really, they, they think that I'm trying to do when, when I don't have an agenda. I just want more leaders. I want to grow people in their spiritual walk. And, um, and he's like, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just not the right season for her. You know, she's, I'm going to take her in this direction. I'm like, okay, all right. I just need to let that go. So you will make mistakes with people. All that to say, you'll make a mistake. It's okay. Have the hard conversation and then... Keep going. Keep going. Reallocation of resources. So I don't know if people here are in charge of any budgets um, or not. Um, you may be laughing when you hear the word budget. You're like, budget? Um, but if you do have any say over budget, um, you may have to reallocate some resources if you want to do disciple making. Um, because we're so used to buying Bible studies, um, funding crafts, uh, funding table decor, uh, different things like that. And that sounds trivial, and I don't mean to trivialize it. I really don't, because there's a lot of things that are important about some of those things. But you also need to pay for childcare for a group of moms that want, that are going to meet together. We may need to, we buy sometimes uh, gift cards to Starbucks or to Panera or someplace like that if I know that, that people want to take somebody else out to coffee. Hey, will you take so-and-so out to coffee to get to know her? Uh, I think she might be great for your future group. Um, and then give them, give them that because it, it tells you, it tells them 
that you trust them with this and that they are part of leadership and that you are encouraging them. It's a $10 gift card. It's not that much out of your overall budget, but you do have to think outside the box. And childcare is a big one. Um, you know, I've had to go to my executive minister and go, hey, <laughs> so childcare. I've got two groups of moms that want to get together and they're all homeschoolers. And there's 42 kids between the two of them, it feels like. And so we need childcare. Um, how are we going to figure this out? And he's like, all right, I guess I need to, to move budget money around so that we can do this. Whereas the guys groups, that's not an issue for the guys groups. It's, it's just not. Um, and the women's groups, you have to think outside the box about when they can meet. And we can all say whether that's fair or not fair. That's reality. Um, you know, um, the guys groups can meet at six o'clock in the morning. I don't have a single women's group that can meet at six o'clock in the morning. We're getting kids off to school or doing other, you know, everything's happening at that time. Um, you know, but we have to think outside the box when it comes to group. We have a group that meets before church on Sunday morning. That's a great time for the moms to go, all right, you're getting the kids ready for church. I'm out. And they go to that group. Um, but um, we, have to, we have to be willing to use our money in a different way. Um, and if, they, if, if you've always had an event and it's a $2,000 event, $5,000, $10,000, $500, whatever, um, you may be able to steal some of that money and use it in a different way to actually make disciples and do disciple making. It may mean that you're buying curriculum that's more disciple making curriculum instead of the big women's Bible study that costs so much. <laughs> those video Bible studies are really expensive. Um, you know, but, but we you know, have to get those too. So how, I'll watch my time here. How do we minimize the risk? So um, like I said before, we have the ladies that have, we've always done it this way. So I'm not, we're not, we don't need to change the Bible study. I've always taught Bible this way. Um, we have one woman that, she's a great Bible teacher, an amazing Bible teacher. Um, but she's just that, she teaches. And she is, she is drilling this information into you. So I said, hey, so we're going to change the format of our Bible studies. And we're going to have half the time is going to be conversation at tables. And I want those tables to only have four to six people at them. So they can really have a good conversation. And she's like, mm, that's going to cut too much into my Bible time. I'm like, right. So our ministry is trying to build relationships. And I think the information you're giving them is fantastic and really important. But they need to actually apply it and talk about it and build some relationships. And so she said, OK, um, and then didn't do it that way. Um, when, it got to, when it came down, she, the tables were set up the right way. And then they rearranged the tables even so that they would be in a big U so that she would be standing in the middle. And so, so she taught that semester, and then I didn't ask her to teach again. So I was like, you don't obviously aren't buying what I'm selling as far as our DNA. She's not happy, um, still not happy. Um, this is, we're going on three years now. Um, but she does Bible studies in her home, and that's fantastic. Um, I don't necessarily send people to it, but I don't discourage people from going. Um, it's a great Bible study. It's a fantastic Bible study, but it's not the DNA of our church. And so I'm not going to have her on campus doing, doing what she's doing because I want to build relationships between these women. But, but changing the format of your Bible study or adding to your big events some, some um, disciple-making elements to it. You know, if you have a big, uh, big women's luncheon or retreat, put those conversation starters at the table that go a next level deeper than just where did you grow up? You know, what was the biggest watershed moment in your, your spiritual life? You know, come up with questions that actually get them talking 
and get them to be able to start seeing each other in a different light where they actually have things in common. Uh, but you can minimize the risk, though, by um, just changing the formats of a few of your things, and then it doesn't really feel like things are so um, going so crazy. We want to develop relationships. Like that funnel, it's an intentional relational environment. So the Bible is all about relationships, right? Look at the Ten Commandments, relationship to God, relationship to others. Um, if I am stealing from you, we are probably not in a good relationship, right? And so, you know, if I have another God, I'm probably not in a good relationship with God. And so we are trying to build relationships between women. And that takes um, you being in relationship with women, um, which means that you need to find some safe people to be in relationship with. Um, that can be really hard in your position uh, because if you start sharing things that aren't so pretty, um, some people may question, should you really be in the position you're in? Um, but that's so rare. Um, ask God about the, the people that are safe for you, um, safe to know what's going on in your marriage, safe to know what's going on with your kids. Um, you have to be the example of what those relationships look like. Um, use those large-scale events for, to, to push your DNA forward. Um, you don't have to cut them all out. We still have them. We didn't have them for a while, um, and that was intentional. I actually had this one leader, leader that went up to our executive minister and was like, so what does Michelle do? Like, no, really, he, she said to him. And he's like, well, she has a lot. Of course, he couldn't really name everything. But, um, but, <laughs> but the reason she was asking that was because she hadn't seen things advertised from the stage. Right? She hadn't seen a bunch of women's events happening. And she, in her mind, that was what I did. I put on events. I put on studies. Um, but what was happening was I was developing leaders, which takes a whole lot longer than putting on an event. But in her mind, she didn't know that was happening. She was leading in a different place. So I wasn't tapping into her as a leader. But I needed to, but that, that was the time consuming thing, but she couldn't see it. And so, so there can be some criticism when some things aren't happening. But now that we have the, the foundations put in, I can start adding some of these bigger events back again. So we added a retreat last year, uh, like, you know, half day kind of thing. Um, and we'll probably do it again this year. Um, but I'm also not set in stone. It's not a, I'm okay if we don't do it this year because it can't happen, then okay, we don't do it. Um, I'm more worried about the bottom of the funnel than I am about the top of the funnel any day, any day. I want to see lives change. I want to see women transform so that their marriages are transformed, so their kids are transformed, so that our community, our church is transformed. Because what would happen if you had all mature believers within your church. If you had all, all the women in your church were mature believers, would you ever ha struggle getting volunteers for children's ministry? You wouldn't. Would you have marriages that were failing? No. Would you have kids that were really, really, I mean, you might have difficult kids, obviously, but, but marriages and families would look different. Your church would look different if these, if, if women were matured and obviously men the same. Um, we would have different looking churches and we would be really attractional too, wouldn't we? <laughs> like people would actually want to be with us because they're like, wow, she has a piece that I don't even know where that comes from. Uh, let me find out. Let me go ask her. You know, she has a patience with her kids that pff, I don't even know was possible. That marriage, wow, they really are sacrificial for each other. 
Um, that's not the, what the world offers. And I don't think we are willing sometimes to say the hard things, to be in each other's lives, to really challenge each other, to actually move along in our spiritual walk. We just kind of are like, oh, you're a believer. Okay, you're good to go. Um, but that's not what God calls us to. It do- he doesn't. He calls us to relationship. And the last slide here is to um, set the example. Whether you lead the women's ministry, whether you're part of it, um, I am good friends with a, a, a lead pastor's wife that's here in town, actually. And she um, really felt a call to disciple-making, but she's not in charge of women's ministry. And so she knew she wasn't going to be the one to turn that ship. Uh, and so she called me up, and, and she's they're part of the Renew um, network. And she said, hey, can you talk me through this? I'm like, sure, yeah, let's talk about it. So she started just doing it on her own. She's like, I fasted, I prayed, and God led me to these three women. I'm like, great, go talk to them. She talks to them, they're like, they're all on board. Okay, great. And then we talk the next week, and then she'd do the next thing, and then we talk the next week, and she'd do the next thing. And she's making disciples. And so even though she's not the head of women's ministry and the whole ship isn't turning, she's turning what she has control over. She's turning what she has purview over. Um, and now she's on like her second or third group, and then they're making groups. And it's not competing against the women's ministry in any way. If anything, it's bolstering the women's ministry because these women are maturing. And so they're like, oh, yeah, I'm happy to volunteer for the conference. Yeah, I I can do that. Oh, I could go make that. I could do that because they're learning how to die to self. And so they can actually be what the church is calling them to be um, instead of being consumers um, with things. And so she just showed me just such a beautiful example of that, um, of how to to really just go for it, you know? I mean, if you believe the first slide of Matthew 28, then go for it. Um, I pray regularly, God, don't let me hurt anybody, you know? Um, because I, that's, that's my, I don't want, I don't let anything come out of my mouth that is not of you. Allow me to love this person well in your name. Let me represent you well um, and don't, just don't let me hurt them. Um, and if I do, may I apologize quickly, and may they extend me grace. Um, so, so don't be afraid that you don't have what it takes to be a disciple maker. Um, you do. You do. Whether it's with somebody that's, I've discipled women that are in their 70s, i discipled women in their, in their teens, um, felt ill-equipped for both. <laughs> but that's where God shows up. Because you're not doing it. The Holy Spirit is doing it through you. Um, and so, don't pretend that, that it all ends with you because it doesn't. And that's how if we come open-handed, then God's going to use you in just a beautiful way and you're not going to be able to take any of the credit, which is even great, better. <laughs> you're going to be able to give him all the glory. And you're going to go, yeah, I don't know how that happened, but boy, did she grow. <laughs> that was awesome. You know, or you finish a meeting, you know, you finish your group meeting and you're like, huh, wow, we talked about some really deep stuff. And I don't know where I pulled that great wisdom out of, but... Fantastic. Great. God showed up. He showed up a lot more than I expected to. And if I came up with a plan, one of the, one of the things that I, I talked about at the last conference, I did a poll of the people that I had discipled over the last like five, 10 years and asked them, hey, what made a difference? And it wasn't this, you know, I want you to give me all the accolades I can get. I wanted to know like what, what worked, you know? I mean, we, we ask the disciple makers all the time, like, what works? Like, what do you do? But we don't ask the people that have been discipled. Like, what did they do right, you know? And the number one answer 
like by far was you allowed the Holy Spirit to lead. So you changed directions when you felt led by the Holy Spirit to go, you know what? I planned this for us to go over this tonight, but you know what? I think we're just supposed to pray tonight. So scrap it. We're going to pray. Or, oh, this person's in crisis. You know what? We're going to fast tomorrow for the crisis that she's in. Um, we allow the Holy Spirit to, to move you in that edge of chaos. Um, be free enough to do that. Um, and allow yourself the grace to drop some of your to-do list stuff um, because you won't get it all to done, and that's okay. It's totally okay, all right? Even when you have to tell other people, yeah, no, that didn't happen today. I've told my executive minister, I don't know how many times, yeah, sorry, did not get that report in. Yeah, yeah, went over to somebody's house instead, or I had coffee instead, and I don't even drink coffee. You know, but... But give yourself that grace because that's actually what Jesus was doing. (laughs) That's what he was doing with his disciples. He wasn't going over, oh, Peter needs to grow in this area, so I'm going to do checklists. And you know what? When James needs to grow in this area, I'm going to do this, the same exact thing for him. It didn't work that way. And we have to be able to be flexible. I wish it was really, I wish there was like a a great format and I could give you this flow sheet and first you do this and then you go, I, it, I tried that. I tried it for a while. It just doesn't work. It's just not, it's not feasible. Um, the next one, the, four, the fourth session um, of the breakouts, I'm going to talk more specifically about the groups that we use um, and talk about disciple making in the sense of what does it look like to disciple the way Jesus disciples. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit more. Thank you guys for being here. That was some great material from Michelle Eagle. I really appreciate hearing all that. And one thing that really stuck out to me was when she's talking about not getting things done, not getting the to-do list, because she was so focused on making disciples that she wasn't able to get some of that stuff done because she was actually getting God's to-do list done. If that doesn't convict you, then maybe you're better than me on this disciple-making thing, but that was super convicting. I got a lot of things I got to do and check off on my work list, but also my daddy-do list, you know, the honey-do list. Um, And I'm constantly checking those things off, but it convicted me to ask the question, am I doing my to-do list or am I doing God's to-do list? So I hope that that encouraged and challenged you today. Up next, we've got part two of that same um, episode. So Michelle's going to be coming back for the next one. So make sure to hit subscribe if you haven't already. So you know when I release that, leave us a comment, leave us a review, leave us a like. We'd greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day, y'all.